0: Hi, and welcome to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. I'm your host, Chris Roy, and this is the place to be to get unstuck, unleash your superpowers, and create a world that works for all. On this podcast, we speak to Mavericks who inspire us. We aim to get the insight and wisdom from their story to help get you the clarity, courage, and conviction that you need to make your mark on the world. Our guest this week is Dr. David Hamilton. David is a speaker and author in the realm of neuroscience, the mind-body connection and spirituality. David is an organic chemist who spent four years in the pharmaceutical industry before following his heart to write his first book. He's since written 10 best-selling books and uses science to inspire thousands in his talks. What I love about David is that he's genuinely inspired by science. He passionately shares things like the science of why kindness is good for you. David is a lovely man, grounded, humble and extremely human. He's a great example of someone following their heart to find their passion. So let's get to it. So hi Mavericks, it's Chris here again with the Mavericks Unlimited podcast. And we have, uh, I feel like at the beginning of every podcast, I say we have a really special guest, but this week I really feel it. Uh, We have one of my favorite authors in the UK, Dr. David Hamilton, who is one of the, the biggest names in kind of the, the realms of self-development, personal development, science and spirituality. And he's just inspired me and countless thousands of others. David's mission is to use science to inspire. And I think that's certainly true. And I think he, uh, he's done that uh, done it a lot. So, David, hi. Welcome. Thank you so much for being on here.
1: Oh, thank, thank you, Krish. It's great to be here chatting with you. It's
0: just just really a privilege and a pleasure so david for for those of our, our listeners out there that have heard of you, they will know of your work, but for those that haven't, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're up to in the world
1: hey, well I, I am a writer and speaker, a former a scientist in the pharmaceutical industry, so i worked, I, I was a, I'm an organic chemist by by training. Uh, which wow. has nothing nothing to do with organic food. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it's, like a, it's like the way kids play with Lego bricks to build objects. So an organic chemist does exactly the same, but our Lego bricks are atoms like carbons, hydrogens, nitrogens, and oxygens. And right. so, we, so we build molecules. And people like me tend to, unless you go into academia, people like me tend to end up in the pharmaceutical industry building drugs for disease so I, I was working on heart disease and cancer
0: right and, wow okay
1: yeah and, and so but I, I, I was more interested in the placebo effect because I thought that was so fascinating why so many people were making improvements on sugar pills so I started to look into that while I was working as a, a mainstream scientist I was looking right. into the you know what is it that that causes, what is it that happens in the body and in the brain when someone believes something? And that was so amazing what I uncovered that I left the job and started writing books and teaching on harnessing mind and emotions uh, for it to improve our health.
0: Wow. So how how long were you in kind of the mainstream as it were before you you went off and
1: um, uh, well if you include the, if you include the university time I, my honors degree was 4 years and 3 years PhD and then I worked for 4 years in the pharmaceutical industry. So if you just include the pharmaceutical industry 4 years but if you include the the whole science training part of it then 15 years. So that's a
0: huge grounding in science. And I mean, we're not just talking science here, we're talking chemistry. And as you say, all all the building blocks and all that kind of stuff. So what was it that you started digging up and uncovering that kind of inspired you so much?
1: Well, I just wondered, you know, it's easy to dismiss the placebo effect as all in the mind. And that's a standard line. And when I worked in, in the pharmaceutical industry, that was a standard, you know, it was dismissed as it's all in the mind. But that's not because people dismissing are experts on it. It's just because that's what other people say. <laughs> and <laughs> and it's, it's so true, actually. I mean, none of, my, none of my colleagues at the time had any interest in it because, you know, we're, we're making medicines and it wasn't their interest. So anyone I spoke to about it was, oh, it's, it's all in the mind. It's just the placebo effect. But when I started to look at results of clinical trials and see how common it was, and then start looking in at some other scientific evidence for the mind-body connection. It was very obvious to me that something was actually happening more than just all. In, there's no such thing as all in the mind. What you think and what you believe actually shifts the biology of your brain and body, uh, moment by moment. In fact, your uh, you know your your heart, your blood vessels, your brain, your immune system is literally moving in varying directions all throughout the day, according to where your mind is. And wow. that is astonishing, but it's not something that, that I was trained in or any of my colleagues. So I just found it interesting. And also there was enough people in the pharmaceutical industry making medicines. And this was my belief that I think I could do more good if I could educate people on how to use their mind and emotions for, to their benefit. I don't think I would, I didn't think I would be missed if you like. <laughs> in the There's enough people like me, enough organic chemists like me. I didn't think, I thought I could make more, more good in the world if I, I went independent on the mind body connection and that broader subject.
0: So, I mean, I think it's fair to say you've definitely had an impact on the world, as it were. So, when you, so when you, when you left and you kind of started down, down the the journey of the mind-body connection, what's your journey since then been like?
1: Uh, it's been one of, one of ups and downs. I, I would say. I first of all, I had absolutely no idea what I was doing. <laughs> right. Okay. No idea what I was doing or how to do it. I just had a good idea. It was like I just knew in my heart. I, in fact, I was at a Tony Robbins seminar, you know, the big giant American. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Yeah, Cardiff unleashed the power within 1999. And Tony did this big visualization when he, he made it, it was like a two hours long or something. Oh and my at one God. point, yeah, amazing. And at one point, he got us thinking of times in our lives when something happened. Had it not happened that way, then life might have taken a different path. And I could think of particular times in my life where if such and such a thing hadn't happened then my life might have gone in a different direction he said Mm. now make a decision that will change the course of your life and immediately all these thoughts I had of one day I would like to be a teacher and a writer even though I'd failed my English at school (laughs) You know, (laughs) but it just felt like the right thing it was at one I'd always had this dream one day I will do such and such but that one day doesn't happen unless you do something about it most right. of the time unless circumstances sometimes happen for you but oftentimes you have to make it happen and, and during that visualization I thought that's it I'm leaving my job I'm gonna all these hopes and dreams I thought that were just in the future felt like a good thing damn it I'm gonna do that now and I, and I, I did but I didn't really know what I was doing you know right. So uh, within a year of leaving the job I was absolutely broke uh, oh, and no boy. one was, no one was coming to my talks and workshops because no one knew who I was. I didn't have a website, you know. I I, I lacked confidence to be really honest with you. Right. Uh, I just had no idea what I was doing, and so it's been a, an interesting journey to get to where I am now. Of just you know perseverance, really, and trial sure, and error.
0: Sure. So that being that being the case, what have been. What have been some of the highs and what have been some of the lows across the years?
1: Uh, I'd say the the lows were, one of the lows actually was going bankrupt because I was absolutely, absolutely broken in debt. What happened is some friends and I had set up a charity together right. and the charity grew uh, in size and influence fairly quickly and I was one of the directors, one of the main people. There was half dozen of us or so, but I was one of the main directors, guiders of it. And yeah, yeah. It, it consumed all of my time. And I couldn't leave because if I, it was a, a difficult space to be in. Because if I left, I think the whole thing would have fell apart. I was like the glue that was right. holding it together. And right. if I had left, I think it might not have kept going at the time. It may have done, but it it, it didn't look like it could have. And right. so I, I had no money and I was building up debt and I couldn't pay it back. And and then it, it just became overwhelming. And then wow. at one point, I remember the stress of being chased by what I felt were unethical debt collectors. You know, like banks sell debt onto debt collectors and then some of them are really, some of them were, I remember Enough. coming off the phone thinking, that person has no soul. Wow, you know, it, It's yeah, not yeah. a nice... I would hate to, I would not ever like to be that kind of person, untrustworthy, who lies on the phone and stuff, and yeah, made, yeah, threats, yeah. made threats, to phone my mum, made threats to my mum and oh, stuff. Oh god. I, you know, it was all within the legal system as well, Just I remember that they would phone my mum and say, we're coming to take all your furniture, even though it's nothing to do with my mum and stuff, and my mum panicked, and my mum had a history of panic attacks and all that, and I had to go to citizens' advice and they said, Look, the only thing you can do is if you're not able to pay this back or even, you know, make payments, the only way to protect yourself from these is to declare bankruptcy and that's what happened. And that was a real low point for me. Wow. Because there's so many spiritual struggles I had with that whole thing. Yeah, and of course. Real, that was a real low point. It took me a you know, it took me a while, a good year of soul searching before I was really able to, you know, signing, I was signing on the dole after that for a while. And I got to the point where I, I didn't feel like anyone would notice if I wasn't here. You know, I felt, yeah I felt like I wasn't contributing to the world. I remember applying for a whole bunch of jobs. I remember sending out like 30 applications, 30 CVs, and I didn't even get a single response. It wasn't like I got, you know, didn't make an interview, actually didn't get a single response. And that confirmed to me that no one would care if I wasn't here. I felt like I wasn't contributing anything. That's
0: incredible. Wow. And it was,
1: it was a really, that was, that was a really tough year for me. Uh, and, and during that time, I started working on my first book. I thought, well, this is what I, I, I left the pharmaceutical industry to do. And so that's, mm-hmm. that, that's what I'm going to do. So I started writing my first book during that time. And then think as I really dived into the book, then everything began to change. It's almost like I was fulfilling a sense of purpose that I'd almost forgotten about in the whole charity work and the bankruptcy stuff. I'd almost forgotten that sense of meaning and purpose I had. And that's what brought me out of that difficult period of my time. And, and then the high for me was when I self-published my first book. That oh, was okay. first major high a couple of years later when I had it in my hands and I thought... This is why I left the pharmaceutical industry to produce this and then begin to teach. Awesome. Wow. Talk talk about
0: a low to a high. That's incredible.
1: Yeah. I think that's the first time I've ever shared that publicly, Chris.
0: <laughs> well, I, I really, it, and I, you know, to be honest, David, as, as I sit here listening to it, it's like you know, obviously, for a lot of people in kind of your position, people, you know, your 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 uh, people look up to you and that kind of stuff. And I think people can often forget that you know, people such as yourself are, are human and have have had a journey. And I just really appreciate that you know the level of honesty that you that you brought there. It's quite, I'm really quite touched by that. Oh, um what was it that during during that kind of year of soul searching and that kind of stuff what what was it that kind of kept you going as it were because that's a that's a tough place to be and a lot of people will relate i'm sure
1: you know it was the joy of writing my book and i wrote a lot of it in coffee i started going to coffee shops and i thought i just love this environment just sitting in a coffee shop uh, in particularly coffee shops and bookshops like I I used to sit in Waterstones and Borders before Borders
0: oh I I love Borders
1: (laughs) yeah so I used to sit because Waterstones always had Costa and Borders had a Starbucks and I used to flip between the two in you know I used to go to Glasgow or Edinburgh because I lived up in Scotland at the time and and you know, other places. And I just loved that feeling of being around books and then writing my own, enjoying the taste of the coffee. And it was, it I was such pleasure, real connection I felt in this environment with books mm. around me. And I'm writing a book and it just felt home to me. And, and that, it didn't matter, during those times, it wouldn't have mattered if there was an end product of a book. It, it didn't matter. What I just enjoyed was those moments doing that. That for yeah. me was the end product, and it was getting the end product was every day for me. It was just that sheer joy and pleasure of working on my laptop and doing some edits and typing more stuff. You know, and and, yeah. and also I had another. Also in the middle, I, I did a lot of the work in the middle of the night as well. I found total stillness mm. in the middle of the night between half past 11 and half past three in the morning, maybe two or three times a week, I would get the laptop out, put a candle burning and some coffee. And I felt really still and connected. And I would do that as well. Oh, that's amazing. So, so that, that, that joy of doing what I felt I was supposed to do. And I've noticed that whenever I deviate from what I feel in my heart, I'm supposed to do. That's when things get difficult and things only begin to flow properly when I bring myself back to doing what I feel in my heart, I'm supposed to do.
0: Wow.
1: And it's not that life doesn't have problems and challenges. No, of course. course. But there's something that there's a a sense of connection inside of you from fulfilling that sense of purpose. That's so powerful that you find a way through some of the difficult times where without Mm. that sense of connection, you might not have the inner resources to find your way through difficult times
0: absolutely absolutely it's almost like it it kind of ups the ante for you isn't it yeah uh,
1: yeah so I've noticed that time and time again when I come back to doing what's really important even if it doesn't seem like uh, on the surface it is the right thing to do it, it always is the right thing to do because it's who I am
0: yeah absolutely i totally get that and it's funny the, the the uh the connection with like the books and the coffee shop and all that kind of thing i, I remember i had a real low point around 2001 i'd just come back from the us mm. like, and a uh, borders with a Starbucks had just opened up in essex where i was living oh. all the time and i used to, I i went there like four or five days a week working and what kind of and in the end one of the managers came up and said you're spending so much time here do you just want to like be paid for it and come and work here kind of thing <laughs> so I, I totally relate to that I yeah. totally relate to that so thank you for your honesty that was amazing uh and you I mean you've you've published is it nine books that are published now nine yeah nine books and t- and a tenth in the works and a, yeah. uh, a second edition of your biggest selling book uh next year as it were yeah. so looking at kind of Where you're at now then, because I mean, obviously that was then, this is now, I know you have a a gruelling travel schedule, that kind of stuff. What kind of um, routines and practices and self-care do you have in place to kind of make sure that you're in good condition, as it were?
1: Uh, A a few things, actually. I play a lot of tennis and that's really good for me. It's good for the exercise, the enjoyment of improving, of feeling like I'm improving and also the social contact of it. I, mm. I, live, I live in a town called Dunblane, eh, famous for two opposite things. One was the, the, the school shooting eh, yeah. a of years ago and the other for Andy and Jamie Murray, May, tennis, yeah. players, tennis players. And so I play at Dunblane Tennis Club in, wow. in, in the leagues. I've only been playing a year and a half, but I've, I've improved a lot Because I brought signs to it, you see. Yeah, of course. Yeah, (laughs) I've broken down the videos of watching videos of Andy Murray serving. And I've broken it down so much and watched it hundreds of times that I I run a program of Andy Murray serving in my head when I close my eyes. So doing that visualization, if you like, has incredibly improved my serve. Because the tennis serve is, apparently in sports, it's the second most technically difficult thing to get right. Second only to the pole vault.
0: <laughs> wow! Well, that really yeah. says something. And, yeah. Know, I... So when
1: when a coach told me that, I thought, well, here we go. I'm going to bring some signs to this. And I
0: love that. Brilliant. Brilliant. <laughs> and,
1: and so my surf has improved so much that I, I went from the officially the second worst tennis player in Dunblane, <laughs> meaning I was <laughs> se- second bottom of the fourth division, uh, <laughs> to now now I've been promoted to the third division. Yay! So, and and the only thing that changed really was the quality of my serve, but just by watching this Andy Murray video, and and breaking it down and and visualizing it over and over and over again. Wow!
0: Yeah. Well, that that certainly brings the scientific method into into sports <laughs> practice. I love that. So playing tennis, what is there anything else that you do? Uh, to... Yeah,
1: a couple of things. Uh, I I like to meditate. I have my own kind of medit- I have my own kind of meditation practices, which are similar and different, I guess, to other standard ones. And also, I like to read kind of novels just just to quiet my mind down. Mm. You know, and I like to take a wee bit of time to. It's important to me to have that off time where I can just sit back in a chair and read a book that's got nothing to do with anything I'm doing as a writer but it's just stuff that I find just a nice story. And that, yeah, kind of yeah. keeps, me, that keeps my mind quiet.
0: What kind of stuff do you read?
1: Uh, kind of science fiction <laughs> and magic. I, I, yeah, I love the Harry Potter books. I lo- I've just read the new Philip Pullman book, The Book of Dust. The Book of Dust, yeah. Oh, amazing. And I've read all the Harry Potters. I like that type of, you know, magic and fantasy. And, and my good friend, uh, uh, Glenn Hall, uh, is working on a trilogy and he, he's a great writer his first book uh, came out uh, earlier in the year and he's working on his second so the, the first book The Fall and it's really it, it's an, a lovely trilogy and it's my kind of stuff so I, I, I enjoy Brilliant. that kind of stuff as well.
0: I'll have to check it out, I'll absolutely have to check it out that's amazing. Okay so so that that's kind of how you keep yourself in track another place I'm interested just in terms of practices or that kind of stuff is those times, let's face it, we all have those times when we get stuck as it were, mm. you know, it's like that, that movement forward. And you already mentioned sometimes when you kind of go out of uh, what you feel in your heart, you should be doing that leads yeah. to things get more difficult. But when you find you do get stuck, how do you get yourself unstuck?
1: Uh, tennis helps actually getting out. And, and sometimes if I go out and play against people, you know, or go down to the club on a Wednesday night, which is Wednesday night club coaching night. And it's just that kind of interaction that it's such a good laugh because there's some good characters down there and we don't, we take it seriously enough to compete, but we don't take it too serious that we have a good laugh Mm. and we, we banter with each other. And that helps me a lot because it takes your mind completely, absolutely away from what you're doing. And for me, what gets me unstuck is something that takes my mind absolutely away from what I'm actually doing. Mm. So exercise like that, but in a, in a situation where there's other people there and there's banter that, uh, that for me, I've only discovered since I've been playing tennis the last year and a half that for me, I found is a very, very important thing. It's not just the tennis itself. It's the, it's the banter and the interaction with the other people.
0: Brilliant. Uh,
1: that, that's a great thing. I mean, there's other things I do, but I'd say that is probably the thing that that works best for me at the moment. I
0: I, I love that. And of course, I have, sorry, I have to ask, because I haven't really asked about the content of your work yet. Is there, what what's the the kind of science behind that, as it were?
1: Oh, good question. It, well, actually, it, it's just sometimes if when you're, when you get kind of stressed or uptight about deadlines and, and working, so many things. Like I, I have so many things often that, I, that I'm doing that I have to do. Not yeah. just writing deadlines, but other types of articles and website stuff and email stuff and messages and social media and, and a whole host of other stuff that goes with being an author. And, and there's times when it just seems that there's too much to do and too little time. And so for me, just going off and playing some tennis or at lunchtime, Elizabeth, my partner and I go down at lunchtime. You know, three or four times a week, and that's great as well because it's tot- It's just it's fun. It's competitive, and it's it just completely takes my mind off of things. And and so the science of that is when your mind is so on something and, and you can't see the wood for the trees, if you like, mm-hmm. then what you really have to do is get out of doing what you're doing. So take take a break. Go for a you know what what off used to work for me is going for a run I'd go out and I'd run right and, right right and, and being kind of competitive as I am I would always have to beat my previous <laughs> times I, would, I'd, I always had a book of my times and I'd be trying to improve my time all the time <laughs> <laughs> but, but that sense of determination yeah uh, you know it's the last mile and I, I I thought I've got to do that last mile and you know five minutes and 57 seconds to beat my previous time. So I'm absolutely pelting it. And I've done three miles already and I'm absolutely pelting it and I'm exhausted, but it totally takes your mind. And the science of that is if you want to see, if you can't see the wood for the trees then you've got to get completely out of doing what you're doing, I mean, completely to a totally different thing altogether. And yeah. what that does, it, it gives you a whole new perspective. It changes your emotions, your feelings. And as that happens, neurologically, you activate different regions of the brain, much more creative regions of the brain, much more insightful regions of the brain that are not active when you're under pressure, uh, meaning right. the, work, the work pressure. So when you completely get out of that and do something totally different, the the different activated regions of the brain allow you to see things from a broader perspective but also see things that you might not have saw in the past and that that type of thing really really works for me
0: love it love it thank you for giving the explanation as well mm-hmm. um <laughs> <laughs> i thought i haven't actually asked you any scientific questions yet it's about time i probably should um so what, but what i also love there is i i i heard I, and i've heard i had the you know the pleasure to hear you speak as well you you kind of come alive when you talk about this stuff i mean your your website says you know that you use science to inspire but it almost sounds like the science inspires you and yeah. then you use that to inspire other people as it were
1: it's kind of like that actually yeah
0: I love that. I love that. So talking about inspirations, I'm just wondering, who are your, who are your inspirations? Who are your kind of heroes as were, well, people you've looked up to?
1: Uh, quite a few, actually. In, in my own field, I'd say the late Wayne Dyer was a big hero for me. I think when I left the pharmaceutical industry, uh, I was so in the science. And then I used to listen to cassette tapes of Wayne Dyer when I was driving my car. Ah, Okay you know, and it was amazing. I just loved his, he was so kind and compassionate. And and that was confirmed when I met him in person, you know, as a as a speaker, we have the same publisher. And I thought he, he it was exactly what I thought he was going to be, <clears throat> a really lovely, beautiful, kind person. Mm. And listening to him in the car, every time I drove, it, it it added that sense of love and compassion that I was looking for to put into my own writing and just... Wasn't really sure of what I was writing and how to do it, and listening to Wayne, it brought that <clears throat> into it. Uh, but you know, so I, I, so he was oh. one of my heroes. I, I've had several. My mum has been a great hero for me. My mum is, I think, was, has always been my guiding hero in, in, in being kind, you know. And, uh, and then there's my partner Elizabeth. If it wasn't for Elizabeth, In the early days when I was writing my first book, I would never have been a published author. I mean, Elizabeth supported me a million percent and not once she was doing like crappy jobs that she hated just to get wee bits of money for us. Well, I would sit in these coffee shops and not once ever did she put any pressure under me, put me under any pressure to get a job or to earn any money, but just completely supported and believed in what I was doing.
0: Amazing.
1: And that takes a special kind of person. And I, you know, if it wasn't for Elizabeth doing that, I would not be a, a writer you know, where beautiful. I am just now. And if I could add another hero, science-wise, there was a professor at university who helped me a lot called Peter Possen. He, he died a, a few years back. <clears throat> and he he was a discoverer of a couple of different fields, one major field of science. And, you know, I did my... <clears throat> my uh, honours year project with him. And he helped me a little bit during my PhD. And he mm. was a, a real maverick, <laughs> if you like, <laughs> because he didn't do things the same way everyone else did. And I think that's why he made such very important discoveries. You know, there was always talk at the uni that Peter Pawson should have had the Nobel prize. And, and the way the Nobel, Nobel committee work is they, they only give three people the prize and, and people that worked for Peter Pawson at uni used to get really annoyed because one of the guys who got the Nobel Prize got it for stuff that, that Professor Pawson discovered. You know, and really? It's often, and it's often the case it's because that other guy, he contributed so much to the field that the Nobel Committee probably decided he, his contribution since its discovery of this substance was, was so brilliant that he had to get the prize, but people get, at the uni got really annoyed because Peter Pawson was the guy who discovered it in the first place. But he was such a a quiet man that he never said a word. He was always just focused on doing what he did. And I think amazing discoveries followed him around because of his personality. And that's what I loved about his personality. He he was not one of the people saying, I should have got the Nobel Prize. He was just a kind man who just got his head down and continued doing the work that inspired him. So lots of discoveries seemed to follow him. Mm. You know, people with that kind of, personality and mindset who don't get embroiled in the who's right and who's wrong kind of fights and arguments who just get their head down that he's a good person puts his head down and does the work that inspires him amazing discoveries and amazing miracles follow these kind of people and I and Peter Pawson made so many contributions to the field of chemistry that I ended that I did my PhD in and it was just amazing discoveries. And people said, how come Peter Poston discovers all these things? And it's, he's not looking for it. They just follow him around because of who he is. Uh-huh. And that, I think, was a huge inspiration for me. Uh, and that's always stuck with me. And, and that, to a large extent, has shaped the kind of science that I do and the, the kind of way that I do the science and also, why I don't also get embroiled in the rights and wrongs and the fights and the arguments that go on all over the world. I just get my head down and do the thing that inspires me. And I, I learned a lot of that from Professor Possum.
0: I love that. What it sounds like an amazing man.
1: Oh, he oh. He, he, re- he really was. I mean, he really that, was an extraordinary man. That's that's incredible.
0: And what what I love there is you. you several times you mentioned the words good, kind, compassionate. And I kind of, that, that's kind of where I'd like to go next, if, if we can, because you've written, you t- just talked about the kind of science that you do and you, the kind of science that you do is kind of obviously quite different to a lot of the, what people would consider mainstream as it were, but some incredible stuff. You've written a lot about kindness, about self-love, that kind of stuff. So I'm, I'm just kind of curious, what what has sort of taken you in that direction? And then maybe we can get a bit more into it.
1: Yeah, well... I've all, as I say, I've always had an interest because I feel that being kind is is what's going to change the world. Uh, not not necessarily the big grandiose acts, but just being a kind person. Mm. It's who you are, and therefore stuff follows you around. You you impact all the time just because of the person that you are. Uh, and so that that kind of thing's always inspired me, and I, I've always been looking for how to convince other people that that's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think in being. You know, a scientist, I found science is a very good way to do that. And there's so much science out there that no one really knows about that show that, you know, that kindness makes a big difference, not only in the world, but even to your own health. So, I mean, my, my book, The Five Side Effects of Kindness, was writing about and educating people on what happens inside your body. To your health you know to your heart, your immune system, your set list, your your aging process, your skin cells, all these things, what happens when you 're being kind, and also uh, what happens what can a ripple effect so far? how does the ripple effect that people talk about that kindness is contagious? how does that work and if you understand all this then it 's a whole new, it brings a whole new conversation to kindness, and, and my belief is when you bring that new conversation to about kindness and why it is so vitally important, then it begins to shape who people are. Mm. And then you find that it's not about doing the big, grandiose act. We become kinder people by nature. And that's when the big changes begin to occur, because then the decisions that we make are different. They're influenced from a different space. And we think from a different space. And that was that's always been my my philosophy on it. I love
0: it. I absolutely love it. So without obviously um, <laughs> giving the complete book away, which we can't in a, in, you know, a short interview, what are some of the, the kind of side impacts of being a kind person?
1: It will, well, first of all, kindness makes you happier and and that goes without saying i think mo- that's most people's experience that being kind to others makes you feel better and there's a lot mm. of science around that why it is lots of studies and stuff uh, so that, that that's one and the, the second one which is so interesting is that kindness is good for your heart and, and people mm. that's something that really takes people by surprise and you wonder how is that well, and the reason the how is it's exactly the opposite to what happens when you when you get stressed you know, when you feel stressed, and I'll bring your attention to the word feel, when you feel stressed, that feeling produces in the body stress hormones. So we've all heard of adrenaline and cortisol, the classical stress hormones. Yeah. And those are produced because of how you feel. You feel stressed. And those substances consistently uh, introduced to the body can have long term effects, negative effects like impact on your immune system, your heart, all these kind of things. So when you be kind and that feeling that you get, scientists now call it elevation, that you get from being kind, the warmth, the satisfaction, the gratitude, the sense of connection, instead of producing stress hormones, that feeling produces two different substances. And those substances act directly on the arteries. They act directly on the immune system. They act directly on your aging processes in a number of different ways. So so kindness affects the heart and the aging process and the immune system. And it all comes down to because of how it makes you feel. Wow. Yeah, and, and I think that, wow. for most people, is brand new information. And, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's fascinating, and, it, and it's so obvious, because it's the opposite from stress. It's the opposite. It's the opposite biology and physiology from what happens when you feel stressed. It's just the opposite. But it, it's so obvious that we have never really thought about it. So when I wrote the book, I decided to educate How that works with the whole reason for bringing more dialogue, bringing more dialogue to kindness uh, with the ultimate motivation that that will shape the kind of people that we are in in our worlds.
0: I, I love that. And what I love about reading your books, David, is you actually make the science very accessible as well because obviously mm-hmm. there are studies out there and all that kind of thing and they're very, you know, they can be difficult to consume but like you say, with something like that, it might be obvious but it's wonderful to have the understanding of why it has the impact it has. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and obviously it gives it it kind of a level of credibility that our kind of, I don't, I don't know, our kind of fact-obsessed world kind of craves or looks for i guess
1: yeah
0: yeah um one and it also gives it kind of a grounding one of the other subjects you've written a lot about which i really love is around uh self-love um and obviously self-love is you know you you hear that and a lot of people out there especially you know a lot of the business types and all that will think well is not that a bit namby pamby or is not that you know or i you know i don't have time for myself or that kind of thing but what what would you say what what's kind of some of your discoveries around kind of the impact of actually taking the time to kind of build that self-love as it were
1: that it can for me learning self-love has had one of the probably the biggest if not the biggest impact on my life and when I say self-love what I'm referring to is inner self-esteem it's the inner sense of worthiness and value you know we talk about there's two kinds of self-esteem and most people don't realize there's two kinds. There's the external self-esteem, which is when your sense of worth is built upon um, successes and achievements in life and good things happening and people having a positive perception of you. That's external self-esteem. If that's the only self-esteem a person has, then as they say in Scotland, your coat's on a shaky nail. because all all you need is for something to go wrong opinion to change and then you suffer greatly and so life becomes like up on the crest in the trough of a wave you know like a little boat on the river going up and down according to what's happening outside of you but then you have the inner self-esteem which which is what i call self-love it's the inner sense of worthiness and value Uh, which is broader and it's much more powerful because it's an inner resource and when you have that inner resource then it doesn't mean that things don't happen in the world as I've said earlier it just gives you an extra resource that it buffers some of the waves if you like it buffers some of the challenges and that you don't suffer so much when challenging things happen you don't take things quite so personally it doesn't mean you don't want people to like you that's human nature to want to connect with each other that's, that's human nature but your happiness and sense of worth isn't dependent upon that whether people like you or accept you. you you have a different inner guiding thing and for me learning that was a huge thing and then learning practical techniques for doing that that for me was a initially a two-year journey which is still ongoing but when I wrote the book I Heart Me it was really my journey of learning how to love myself during that time and, and and it was the longest I'd ever taken to write a book because it, it, you can't write about self-love unless you really know what you're talking about. Because I did submit an early version to the book that my publisher kindly rejected <laughs> <laughs> because it was awful. <laughs> and, look, and all credit to, to to Hay House publishers having Michelle Pilly, the MD of Hay House in the UK, having the courage to say what she did to me that, a. Uh, because she said, we can't publish the book as it is. It would be damaging to your career, <laughs> is what she said. Wow. It was, a, wow. It, was, it was very weak and intellectual. And so Michelle encouraged me to take as long as I needed to really dive into it and learn it and explore the subject myself. And that's what I had to do. And I took another year and a half uh, to really go into it and really feel the feelings and develop a lot of techniques and strategies based on science that, that anyone could use and apply. And, and for me, that 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 was life-changing for me, actually. I'd say I, I grew more as a person in my personal development in that two-year period than probably the previous 15 years. Wow. Well, yeah, just, awesome. just from learning how to love myself. Because self-love impacts just about everything in your life. Oh, it okay. impacts how you feel. It impacts your relationships, your finances, your career, your mental and emotional health. I mean, almost everything... On and your external experience derives uh, or the quality of is affected by how you really deep down feel about yourself
0: right right right
1: so for me that was life-changing
0: and it sounds well what i love there is in a certain kind of way you were your own experiment as it were
1: yeah yeah which, which i love so
0: i mean you know this let's kind of dig into this a little more because this, this is a great subject to talk about. Um, you know, cause a lot of the people that we work with a lot of Mavericks out there, you know, high, high performing people or, you know, doing a lot of stuff, but you know, we know that kind of, for example, the imposter syndrome, that kind of feeling, mm-hmm. you know, of being a fraud or, you know, how did yeah. I get here and all that kind of thing is rife. So you, you've mentioned a lot of practical techniques that anyone can use. What are, you know a couple of techniques that people could dig into that can help in this area
1: yeah well one one very simple a uh, simple to say a little more, more difficult to do uh, is to be yourself and and that starts with making a decision to be yourself and what comes out of that the intensity of the decision is so important because the intensity of the decision will reach deep inside of yourself and, and then it, when you start to, when you make that decision, it becomes less important because being yourself, you decide is so important. You bring it up the up the ladder, if you like, of importance and you put it right there near the very top, if not at the top, but very, very right up there. And because you bring it up there in, in terms of priorities, you're reaching deep inside yourself, you start to become less concerned with what should you know what you should be doing and who you should be pleasing and right. that is a huge thing for people and it really comes down to the intensity of a decision so you've got to you've got to find a way of making that decision important you've got to look at your life and, and decide for yourself to a really powerful degree that being yourself is an exceptionally important thing and the power the intensity of the decision will be will then determine how much change occurs because that'll determine mm. how far up the ladder you bring that being yourself thing and how deep inside yourself you reach. And and, and for me, that itself was was a huge thing because the, the consequence of that was pulling away my dependency of of people's of having to have a particular perception. You know, you become less dependent upon you know people's approval yeah yeah dependent upon x y and z things and more in touch with that inner resource inside yourself and it's a, it's it's such a fantastic feeling when you when it comes because it it feels like freedom mm. oh my god this, this is this is really amazing i don't really care if such and such a person likes me for example or i don't really care if x y and z happens it doesn't really matter to me as much and and that it's almost like a spiritual awakening of sorts yeah 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 but but it's not really in spiritual terms but it is really because being yourself is probably one of the most spiritual things you could ever do but but getting there really can be dependent on the intensity of a decision and for that you've got to decide that that you've got to absolutely decide that being yourself is of deep great importance So, so that for me was a huge breakthrough uh, and, and the other if I could share another one. Yeah, please. The other one more practical and easier to do is become aware of your posture. Uh, because how you hold and move your body uh, in varying situations reflects how you feel on the inside. And so right. and so if you make corrections and adjustments to your boat, your shoulders, how you hold your back, your spine, your face, your neck, your all these kind of things, and, and adjust your posture as if you're wearing an inner sense of worthiness and value, then that will actually feed back into brain circuits. And the more you do that, you actually start to shape these circuits of the brain and literally wire self-love or this inner sense of worthiness and value, literally wire it into your brain, into your nervous system. And then the feelings that come with that are more of a habit. Yeah, yeah. So I found those two things were huge breakthroughs for me. Just literally working on my posture was very important. You know how I walk and how I stand, and and particularly in certain situations that are challenging, because those are the times when your your facial expressions, your shoulders, you lean forward and you crush, you move your shoulders in, your your back arches, and all these kind of things that reflect maybe worry or, or stress or, or fear of people what people think of you, those kind of things. And so when you change that and stand up straight, if you like, and wear how you want to feel on your, uh, on your body, like the, like how you hold body. Yeah. you literally wear it like a Superman cape or a Wonder Woman cape, <laughs> but you're wearing it on the inside. It literally rewires the circuits of the brain. And, and that was huge for me as well. So those two main things, uh, being yourself and adjusting my posture... Uh, they They were you know life changing really in in the sense of how powerful they they were well, what was really funny
0: then was the moment you said i adjust your posture, I actually sat up in my chair <laughs> <laughs> and it does it has an immediate effect i can 't yeah, stop yeah, yeah. smiling now it 's amazing absolutely amazing so so um a couple of things i 'm just aware of the, uh, uh, of the time we have so i 'm just just kind of thinking back to um you know the, the 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 start of your journey, as it were, and you know this this has been quite quite a journey it really has um, if you were looking back now at say your say your your seventeen year old self you know you've just done your hires you're just about to go to university yeah. what what advice from your current viewpoint would you give to that younger self kind of starting out as it were
1: uh, not to worry so much, because <laughs> if I could go back, I would say, "Don't worry, everything's going to work out fine." And it's funny because that's what my my papa, my mum's my mum's dad used to say to my mum and to me. And my mum would say it to me, "Like everything will work out for the best in the end." And I think that has actually been the case. And Ooh. and I I have probably wasted a lot of time in my life. Worrying about whether things will turn out okay. And, uh, mm. and I, I think often if you're being yourself, then things have a funny way of turning out okay. And yeah. uh, so I would go back and say that, like, don't worry so much uh, because everything will be okay
0: everything will be it actually just reminds me of last last night i kind of had a bit of a, a, a word and I, there's a day book that i read sometimes called simple abundance by sarah mm. bambranek and uh, the entry for for today is uh, she quotes um a a saying by dame julian of norwich who apparently was a mm. 13th century mystic and it was literally all things sorry all things will be well and all things sh- will be well and all manner of things will be well Oh. she just she just uses a mantra in it, so it 's right isn 't it we just thinking all the things you were saying earlier about you know when your brain gets stuck on something, you need to take yourself away from it when yeah. we get stuck on those problems, of course, and we focus on them, then we 're just going to be get more problem and stress and all that kind of stuff
1: yeah. so I, yeah absolutely I think I personally in for a number of years in my life, have wasted so much time. Uh, in my head worrying and feeling anxious and stressed and worried about x y and z things and Mm. and and there wasn't really much point because it didn't change anything (laughs) right right there wasn't really much point in it but it's hard to see at the time but uh, because the question was if i could say to my 17 year old self then that's what i would say whether my 17-year-old self would believe me or not, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's another not at all
1: But that's what I would say.
0: Yeah, brilliant. <laughs> I, I, I love that. I love hmm. that. Um, so just, just a couple more things. Um, one of the things that we, we say at Mavericks Unlimited is that we're all about helping Mavericks unleash their superpowers to create a world that works for all. Hmm. So if if you were you I think you already alluded to this earlier, but if you are on your mission to, to change the world as it were, what would what change would you make and what would your first step be? Hmm.
1: Uh, do you know actually a completely off-the-wall kind of thing? Uh-huh. I, I would abolish money. <laughs> okay. Right. And and I, I wonder. And it wouldn't mean people wouldn't have jobs and all. Eventually, I think what would, you know, what would need, that would take a a transition, obviously. Mm. But uh, People would then be doing things in the world because they want to. No one wants to sit in the house and get bored. So people would actually get out there and and do stuff. So we'd find things would change, but things would improve in a lot of ways. And people would be doing the jobs and the roles that they want to do. And, And you wouldn't need money because you could have anything. If you want to go on holiday to somewhere, then if there's no money and everyone's entitled to do everything and everyone's serving everything, then you can do anything you want. So you have no need Mm. for the money. And the first step I would take, would I'd write a novel uh, about that, like a a novel, a really gripping novel about that happening in the world. Uh, That would be my first step because I find writing, for me, helps to educate and inspire and so i would write a novel on on how that would work i love uh, that so that people would see how amazing that kind of world could be
0: so is that going to be like book number 11 or 12 or something it, like that it,
1: it's the first time i've thought about it so
0: <laughs> <laughs> no commitments just yet then yeah so
1: you never you never i i would like to i have a few ideas for novels but i've never thought of that one but i would like to write a novel you well, know, definitely definitely write, like to it, it's something that really inspires me uh, is writing stories, and I've just never tried it before.
0: Well, yeah, the, the the sound of your current writing is fantastic, so I imagine your novel writing would be great. And let's face it, stories reach into us in a way that non-fiction doesn't always. Mm, yeah. So so my final question for you, Dave, and this is the one I ask all my guests on this this uh, podcast, is what is the one question that I haven't asked you that you would like to be asked, and what would your answer be?
1: Hmm. What was the one question that I'd like to be asked? Uh, oh, God, I have absolutely no idea. <laughs> <laughs> I should, what, not,
0: I should, I should always, always kind of give that one before I uh, before we start the interview. It's always flummoxing
1: people. <laughs> what would I? What would I like to be asked? Uh, you know, I I, I could give, give a really boring <laughs> question. But it'd be something to do with, you know, what, you know, what kind of person am I, or what do I, what do I believe about the nature of reality, or something? And, And what I would say then is, is that each of us are pure consciousness, and the body that we seem to wear. Is just something that you wear, but it's not who you are. That there's an essence of pure consciousness, like a light, if you like, if you could see it. Uh, that each of us are, and each of us are, each of us exist in infinite different varieties and forms and colors. And we perceive each other not as their real self, but as just a color or a variety that fits in with the story that we've got running at the time in our own coin, in our own experience of life and so what you see around you it bears absolutely no resemblance to actual reality it's just a construct if you like and and so that's that's if I was asked the question what do I really believe Then that's what I I believe and that which you are is infinite is pure consciousness the the essence of that of which is I guess people have said it. It sounds really boring, but but love, meaning the essence of it, is it's all part of the one thing. Yeah, and its and its deep interconnectedness and sense of of relationship is the essence of it all. In w- which case, therefore, it can only come down to the feelings between it is is love and and and, what, and compassion and kindness. I think so that's what I believe that's the question I suppose I'd like to be asked and, and that would be my answer I
0: love that as an answer and that is a wonderful way to, to for us to end today as it were um, mm. David it has been an absolute pleasure I have to say um, I could literally sit and talk to you for hours <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: been a great conversation
0: it really 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 has and you know I'm going to I'm going to preempt this by saying at some point I would love to get you on again if if you'd be up for that and maybe
1: oh, absolutely
0: do it and you know do do maybe a I don't tim Ferriss does these talks with with experts where he'll like chat with them for you know a couple of hours kind of thing and like mm. really get deep and all that so if you would be up for a, a tim oh, Ferriss kind of conversation that would be amazing yeah. Yeah so there you you go mavericks we have had the the pleasure of dr david hamilton with us today once again david thank you so much for taking the time with us today it's been an absolute pleasure
1: my pleasure too
0: and uh mavericks we'll look forward to seeing you on the next podcast we'll see you next time hey listen up don't go yet did you get something meaningful after this episode well the most meaningful thing that you can do right now is to go and leave a review on itunes because those reviews are what keep us here and please make sure to share and to subscribe to this podcast. Finally, are you unleashing your superpowers? Well, if so, show us on Instagram with the hashtag #MavericksUnlimited, and we'll see you over there. And with that, thanks so much for listening to the Mavericks Unlimited podcast at mavericksunlimited.com. Bye for now.